This and every episode of Wrecked Podcast is brought to you by Beeksy Exchange, an upcoming cryptocurrency exchange built in collaboration with One Market Data. Beeksy is bringing legacy finance speed, power, and sophistication to crypto for the first time. With 225,000 transactions per second per pair, comparable to NASDAQ, 15 order types on day one, with 25 order types on full rollout, and a dedicated customer support team, Beeksy is setting itself apart from the competition. Check out Beeksy today at Beeksy.com and pre-register today at Beeksy.com slash registration to get your free Beeksy exchange tokens. That's Beeksy.com, B-E-A-X-Y dot com. This is Apu Akbama with the Arvodex Project, Wrapped. Hello and welcome to Wrecked Podcast. I am Bunchu alongside my esteemed colleague and co-host, Crypto Chamber. Chamber, how are you? Doing pretty good tonight. Um, we uh, I, I, we have a guest on that I'm, I'm very excited uh, uh, to, uh, to have a little challenge with at the end. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. We had a little pre, uh, pre-podcast meeting on... Uh, um, on on some of his uh, non crypto likes, and uh, I think we're gonna have some fun at the end of the show. Well, you certainly are because uh, <laughs> this is right up your alley. So <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pretty excited. I, I'm I, I'm glad that he accepted the challenge. So we'll, uh, we'll have Absolutely. some fun. Absolutely awesome. And joining us today from the Arvodex project is the CEO and founder Apo Agbamu. How are you, man? I'm great, man. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Absolutely. We're excited to chat here. So uh, first, I need to tell a little story because I think this is weird, and you guys can fucking tell me if this is weird. <laughs> so, um, I am traveling for work, and I'm in Buffalo, New York. I, repli- I repeat, just in case I disappeared this evening, I am in Buffalo, New York at the Hampton Inn, and... <laughs> Uh, I'm driving in and I get a, a notification on my LinkedIn and it says, uh, I'll, ch- I'll change their name here just not to, in case they're a listener of the show. Um, it says that uh, Kara Smith has viewed your profile. So I click on it and I'm like, oh, I don't know who this person is. There's no picture. There's no nothing. And um, I, I click on it and then I was like, oh, I don't recognize this person. So I didn't think anything of it. I come to check into my hotel and I'm checking in and I'm talking to the, the front desk person. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I catch a sign that says manager on duty is Kara Smith. And I'm like, dude, what, what the hell? Like she looked me up on linkedin before i arrived at the hotel and i thought that was like the creepiest thing ever am i like off base here so what you're saying is the manager of this hotel (laughs) yes before you got to the hotel yes looked you up on linkedin yes (laughs) and you just happened to catch the name on linkedin that it was the name because i thought the whole thing was kind of weird i mean that's too kind of crazy because it's crazy eh, that this person is doing that uh but it's also crazy that you caught it 
I mean that. I mean that and it's is crazy easily. She knows that you're gonna end up seeing that someone saw you on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? It's That's not, what I mean. Like I, my Twitter thought is maybe she. My thought is maybe she like Googled me and like that was the first thing that came up is my LinkedIn and she clicked on that. But otherwise, it's like. Why would you, first of all, why would you choose LinkedIn? Because I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) And and two, like, why are you doing that in the first place? Is that not a weird thing? Am I going to get murdered tonight or what? Yeah, you're definitely getting protocol in Buffalo. Maybe. I mean, Buffalo is Buffalo. Uh. Oh, man. I had a I had a tweet today that said I because you know Buffalo is Buffalo, and sorry for anybody who listens that is out in Buffalo, but uh, I said me, hey Siri, take me to Buffalo. And then I responded, Siri, are you sure? <laughs> if I really want to come out to Buffalo. But anyway, that's my little thing. So I need to tell everybody where I am in case yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're on the record at least now. Yeah, right. Exactly. So anyway, let's get into it here. So Oppo, before we get started on the project and diving into that, Absolutely. tell us how. Tell us your, a little bit about your background and how you got started doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess... Let's see how far back I want to go. I'm actually from New York. I was actually born in the Bronx. He's like, I'm um, from Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I was born in the Bronx, but raised in, uh, raised in Minneapolis. Um, went to school at UMD. Go, do- go Bulldogs. I don't know if you guys are hockey fans, but uh, yep. we just won two years in a row. No big deal. Um, the- you won the Frozen Four? No, we won the national championship. Yeah, Woo! so that was I, I'm a I'm a Penn Stater, and so we weren't in it this year, but we we won the Big Ten championship. How, how am I the only Canadian on this show, and I'm the only one that doesn't like hockey right now? I don't I mean, know, man. <laughs> you're, you're weird. <laughs> so went to UMD, you know, went uh, went to school for accounting and economics, and initially was just going to take the you know traditional finance route, do like investment banking or. Working a financial firm, I actually ended up working at a, a bulge bracket firm for two years right out of college. But as I was working there, I was simultaneously working on the Arvo project. Um, and then, you know, as soon as we were going to go live, you got to run it through compliance. And I got the uh, either you work here or you do your startup uh, spiel, and I ended up jumping ship. And uh, I think I made the right decision. That's cool. So. Tell us about the Arvo project. What is it? Um, where did the idea come from? Start there. Absolutely. Um, so, like every i or every, I think every startup or every you know business, it usually starts from a problem. And you know, growing up, I was kind of known as the stock guy, and my friends would always ask me about stock questions and things of that nature. What stocks are you buying? You know, how are you making these decisions? And you know, those kind of questions continued to follow me. Um, you know, into college and out of college. Um, But I had an internship that I did while I was in college where we used what are known as multi-factor ranking systems. And essentially, it allows you to, um, you know, look at certain variables that are known to drive stock performance, like quality, momentum, value, and growth. And then there's obviously sub-factors that go under that. So you're looking at price to earnings, price to book, price to sales, under value, for instance, or you're looking at, you know, different momentum momentum indicators like RSI or MACD um, uh, for, and RSI for people that aren't familiar with the term is relative strength indicator. And you're looking at variables like that. So essentially what it allows you to do, it allows you to rank a, a universe of stocks. Say for instance, you're looking at a benchmark like the S&P 500. You can rank 
all of those stocks under the same criteria. And what you do is you focus on the top ranked stocks because that's where your high value type of names are. So when you're looking at the stock market, you're looking at over 5,000 stocks. I mean, you almost have as much ETFs as you do stocks now because we rank stocks and ETFs, but we look at essentially the same variables. Um, so, you know, the idea of Arvo really came from that and from the continuous uh, question of, you know, how do we, how do I identify stocks? Because the issue is, is that most people either don't have the time to do the research on the stocks and listen to the earnings call and read the reports, or they just don't have the knowledge or a combination of the two. So the mission with Arvo was really to create a platform where users can find high quality stock ideas in a fraction of the time and it enables people you know, our mission is really to enable people to make profitable investment decisions in a fraction of the time. Um, so with the project, you know, so Arvo was out for a year, for about 15 months before, you know, we launched the Arvodex project. And the Arvodex project is really a vertical integration of the business. So right now we partner with, um, you know, different brokerage firms to offer our users trading capabilities within the app. But some of the same issues that I noticed as I was, uh, portfolio manager associate, you know, at the bank that I mentioned, um, we're still facing users, right? So you have the centralized nature, you have lack of transparency, um, and a, a lot of those variables that, you know, blockchain really helps alleviate. So the Arvodex project is really um, a vertical integration of the business. So Arvo will ultimately run on Arvodex. Um, so, you know, we'll allow people to and then the thought is really that it's a combination of the two, right? So you have a platform where people can find high caliber investment ideas and avoid the bad ones. And then they can also trade in a decentralized and transparent manner and get instant settlement and instant execution on their trades. That's pretty awesome. Um, so describe, you know, I'm kind of lost with the vertical integration idea. So how does that, uh, how does that, you know, enable the project to, you know, succeed further. Absolutely. So if you look at it, right, so right now, as I mentioned, we partner with a lot of, we partner with brokerage firms. Uh, mm -hmm. So for instance, one of the firms we partner with is a firm called Tradier. Um, but so we have to outsource that trading capability, right? So that's a cost that we take on for our users and our users get unlimited trading once they sign up for, you know, Tradier through our platform. Um, so the thought is is that by creating Arvodex and Arvodex, there's an extra E there because the DEX stands for Decentralized Equity Exchange. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so by creating Arvodex, we have our, we'll essentially be running on our own brokerage platform, right? So we're we're in the process of becoming a broker and doing all those things. So vertically integrating the business in the sense that not only do we provide people with the scores and the uh, smart equity price targets, but we also allow people to trade in a transparent manner because the you know settlement happens on chain the order matching happens on chain so there's a lot of execution I mean all, everything is transparent in terms of pricing execution so for instance right now if you were to trade through you know any broker really you take the price that they give you right I mean obviously you can see what it's trading at but you're not necessarily sure that you're getting the you know the right price or the most optimal I think that's a, probably a better word the most optimal uh, pricing execution but when you have an on-chain order matching engine you can see exactly what the best price was at that time and you can see whether you got filled at the best price so that's really what we're trying to do is that um, you know not only are we trying to enable people to make smarter investment decisions but we're also trying to enable people 
to, you know, trying to restore faith back in the, the essentially the brokerage community because there is no platform like Arvodex out there. You know, there's really no decentralized um, stock exchanges, if you will. Everything is centralized in central depositories and power is really consolidated among the big players in the industry. Yeah, that's actually pretty uh, interesting concept because, I mean, I think, you know, being in crypto, we, <laughs> we kind of understand that uh, the, the power of decentralization and what it's, uh, what it's good for. Um, and that's definitely a avenue that has, uh, I mean, all centralization, like you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it it's is. all centralized. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's, that's a pretty cool concept there. So, um, Talk a little bit about uh, the social aspect here. So I see um, you have a, a area called quantitative social trading. Talk a little bit about the social aspect there. Yeah, I mean, I think social trading is a big. I mean, if, I'm sure I'm sure you guys have heard of like stock twits um, and other social trading apps. It's yeah. just really creating an environment where people can dialogue. You know, talk about different trading ideas, talk about different trading strategies, and I think it really creates a holistic platform where people don't feel siloed off, right? It's not like I just create my account and I just trade based on my own, you know, um, information or whatever it may be. But you really create a community among the various Arvo users where people can dialogue. Um, You know, we have an interesting timeline where instead of, you know, your typical timeline where you see, you know, change in price, you see change in rank. So while you're scrolling through your timeline of people you follow or influencers or whatever it may be, you can find ideas in that process because you can see, okay, Apple's up 18, you know, over the last day because we our, our ranks update daily. So based on that, someone could click on Apple's profile and immediately, you know what I mean, feel inclined to make an investment because there is that change in rank or that delta that's positive. Or, you know what I mean, it could be the completely opposite where, where you see a change in rank to the downside. Another interesting component of our real of our quantitative um, social community, if you will, is uh, we have a fantasy investing league where users can compete and win cash prizes in the main league, but then they can also create their own league that's either public or private and invite family and friends. And again, in this league, it's really different from any other simulator or um, fantasy uh, uh, stock league in the sense that we show you the change in rank. So you kind of have a helping hand in terms of figuring out which stocks is best to buy. So for instance, if you were to go on, you know, like Yahoo Finance or Investopedia, not to name drop or anything like that, but you know, those fantasy investing leagues, you kind of have to have an idea of what stocks you want to buy in those leagues ahead of time or do some searching in terms of different portfolios or whatever it may be. But the whole, you know, inspiration behind Arvo is to streamline the decision-making process and the ranks and change in ranks help users do that. So that's really the quantitative social investing component. Yeah, I think the uh, fantasy aspect is pretty cool as well. I, for one, am big into not only fantasy sports, but uh, you know we've had uh, the guys from Hero on. I'm a hero addict, so any kind of the social gaming gamification of this stuff, I think, is pretty interesting. Um, Chamber, we're gonna have to go head to head here. I think a hundred percent. This reminds me of uh, when I was a kid. I, I was like maybe a maybe a sophomore in high school. And, uh, you know, I'm a little older, maybe a little, I don't know how old uh, Oppo is, but we'll well, assume I'm older than everybody here. Uh, it was the early days of the internet. And one of the first games I remember playing online 
was a it was kind of like this where it was like a stock <laughs> fantasy league but the stocks you were buying were um professional athletes so oh, you would buy like a, cool. it was awesome so it would be like the, their performance their stock performance would be dependent on their daily performance like in the game from the from the previous evening so you could pick up like hockey players, football players, didn't matter. Uh, it was a very cool game. I, I have yet, I've I've gone perusing a little bit to try and find something similar to that, but I, I've never found that ever again. Yeah, and the nice it. thing with the fantasy component too is that it gives those people who aren't comfortable putting real money to work an opportunity to get an idea of you know how the market dynamics works because everything in the app is essentially real time from an information and pricing standpoint. So you're getting real time prices, you're getting real time news. You know, you get all the Wall Street information in terms of analyst recommendation, analyst price targets and things of that nature. So it's really kind of a, a holistic platform in the sense that, you know, before you do transition to opening in an account of your own and doing equity trading, you can really get, uh, you know, you can win some some cash prizes and free memberships and things of that nature using, you know, the fantasy component of the, le- of the application. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll have to uh, get a wrecked podcast uh league going for yeah. our twitter or Absolutely. not our twitter our um uh our telegram group and it, it's actually when you were talking about that and creating the community for the trading and stuff i uh, i mean i think that holds so true with i mean think about what we do on twitter right you have people posting charts and you know financial advice if yeah. you will and and you know people follow those and create communities and split off into you know separate telegrams or groups and things like that and i think uh um so that social aspect is definitely attractive and i think like you said otherwise you're kind of trading and doing this on an island so whenever you can kind of um take some uh you know community aspect to it i think is super important as well absolutely yeah um so uh, then i'm looking at here the arvo scores so Mm -hmm. um you know basically that that's how they're ranked right so Mm -hmm. tell talk a little bit about you know what goes into those those scores to you know kind of change their ranks either day by day or other than uh you know however often they change you know other than maybe just price performance Right. So like if you so for instance as I mentioned there's four main variables that we look at. It's momentum, it's quality, it's value and then it's growth. So under growth for instance, right? You're looking at change in revenue, you're looking at change in earnings, you're looking at earnings surprise. You're look so that would be like those are some of the variables. So in in total there's four main variables and then there's about 48 sub variables we look at and then those sub variables are grouped. So for instance under quality you would look at like the current ratio. You would look at inventory turnover. You would look at asset turnover. You know, under value, you'd look at price to earnings. You look at price to sales. You look at price to book. Um, you know, under um, what was the other? <laughs> Blanking here. Um, under momentum, for instance, you look at some of those other variables I mentioned. So and and then those main variables, the four main variables that I mentioned: momentum, value, quality, and growth, are then weighted based on which one has a more higher impact um, on the ultimate, you know. So it's we really don't silo things off by um, industry just because obviously each industry is going to have its own different characteristics. But we look at the entire universe. So the universe that we look at is the Russell 3000. So based on those, the scores update daily. And then the way it works is that the higher the Arvo score, the greater the probability for outperformance. So if you look at 
you know, our scores over the last decade. And we actually work with a firm called EQM Capital to get these built because obviously, you know, it's really all about the quality of the data, the quality of the ingredients to ultimately make a good model. So if you look at it, um, so zero through 20, we consider strong sell. 20 through 40, we consider sell. 40 through 60, we consider hold. 60 through 80, we consider buy. And then our 80s through 100, we consider strong buy. So if you look at our model, if you were to run a, and obviously back test, they have their limitations. You know, I just want to put that out there already. But, you know, if you and our model runs in real time. So we can rebalance the factors. So say, for instance, like at the end of the year last year, momentum was momentum was getting its ass kicked. It just wasn't working. So we took weight off of momentum and added it to value and our model starts outperform. So we have the ability to rebalance the factors as well based on what we're seeing. So we'll do attribution analysis to see what is actually driving the market, you know, on a quarterly basis. Now we rebalance the factors on a quarterly basis. We didn't rebalance them last quarter because right now we're even weighted. So 25% momentum and 25% across the other three variables. And that really allows people, so for instance, once you, say for instance, you clicked on, you know, let's just talk about Tesla. If you were to go inside Tesla's profile, you would see that there's a main Arvo score that we give people, but then there's also, we break down, you know, the other four subscores so people can see those other subscores. And we also give people the change in those scores. So you can see the type of changes happen in those scores on a daily basis. So for instance, if a stock's down 10%, you can automatically assume that the momentum score is going to be down may not be down 10%, but it'll be down, you know what I mean? But then that'll obviously make the value score go up, right? Because the price is cheaper on a price to book, on a price to sales ratio, and things of that nature. Um, so that's really kind of the that's really kind of our approach is that it's kind of a discovery tool. And then we also compare um, each company to its industry. So you can see how, for instance, Tesla compares to Ford or GM, right? So Ford's obviously going to have a much higher value score than a, you know, a Tesla, for instance. So it's really kind of a neat tool in the sense that you can compare stocks to their industry, you can compare it to their competitors, and then you can also compare it to the entire universe since everyone's essentially on the same plane. That's super interesting. So, you know, obviously the whole goal anytime you're in the market is to outperform. And Absolutely. I think that's, uh, that's uh, you know, you're making it easy to identify potential yeah. outperformers. Yep. And the nice thing about our model is it's very monotonic. So our 0 through 20s underperform our 40s. Our, our 0 through 20s underperform our 20 through 40s. Our 20 through 40s underperform our 40 through 60s. Our 40 through 60s underperform our 60 through 80s and so on and so forth. So really, if you wanted to build a portfolio of long shorts, you would you could build, and obviously you, you could do go in and do more due diligence if you wanted to, but just based on the scores themselves, you could actually build a long short portfolio if you wanted to, and you'd probably do pretty well because of the way that the scores work, right? Like, so if you have a model where your zero through 20s sometimes outperform your 60 through 80s, then there's really hard to decide, it's really hard to decipher which, you know, do I take this, you know, the stock that's ranked 25 or do I take this one that's ranked 65, right? Sure. But in our case, the model is very monotonic in the sense that, you know, the different um, the different sector, I mean, the different groups actually perform how they're supposed to based on their rankings. So it's, there's a, it's nice in that respect. 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Chamber, don't you wish you had something like that now where you can, uh, <laughs> uh, where, where you can identify where you might outperform versus underperform? Yeah, yeah, in many, <laughs> many facets of my life. Yeah, um, like not this. just, yeah, not just financially. <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's cool. So, um, Chamber, you have any questions before I move on to some other stuff? Uh, no, I was I was just more curious on on, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm treading on you a bunch, uh, but uh, you know what's what's coming next uh, for the project? A lot yeah. of things are coming next. I mean, the obviously first and foremost, it's just building our. So Arvo will continue to develop. I mean, we have some great, we have some new features that are coming out. So right now, we also rank themes. Um, we rank themes and we rank ETFs. So for instance, we rank about three hundred themes in total. But on the app, we only show users about 50. So we'll be rolling out at least 50 more themes over the coming month. You know, So for instance, if you were to go in and you were to go to aerospace and defense, hmm. you could see what that industry is ranked. So you could see what the value score of the industry is, the growth score of the industry, and the other variables that I mentioned. And then you can see what the overall score is. But the neat thing about that is that you can also sort all of the companies within that industry by value, growth, momentum. So say, for instance, you like aerospace and defense, but you want to focus on the value stocks within that space. You could click on the theme and then sort it by value or sort it by growth or sort it by momentum or sort it by quality in order to find stocks within that industry or that theme that meets your um, meet your criteria as an investor. Um, and then on the ETF side of things, we rank ETFs by the same variables, but then we also go a little bit deeper. We give information on the type of fees that you pay on the ETF, who's the custodian of the ETF. Um, we break down sector um, we break down sector percentages, so 20% tech, 15% financials. We break down industry, we break down sub-industry, um, and we even break down uh, for, uh, currency in case the ETF is uh, you know, an international ETF. So, you know, it's kind of, and then, you know, going forward, we look to build that out even more. Um, and start ranking cryptocurrencies as well and rank options as well. Options will come before cryptocurrency. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, in the crypto space, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of quality data. And I mean that in the respect of, you <laughs> no, know, you're correct. You're there isn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of quality data, especially if you're comparing it to something like the stock market well, or the I mean, options market. You take, uh, you take what happened to uh, VSV today, yeah. yesterday. Holy, yeah. like, like, how are you supposed to predict that one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing is, and then you, you look at the article that says that like 95% of crypto volume is fraudulent. You know, I'm not, you know, and then right. so. So you can't, re and again, that's why I'm always, you know, kind of skeptical when I see a lot of, um, you know, these crypto ranking models coming out because it is, every model is contingent on the quality of the model. If you want it to be a robust model, is really going to be contingent on the quality of data that goes into right. the model. Like a garbage in, so, garbage out scenario. Exactly. Absolutely. So if you're putting in information in your model that is biased or skewed a certain way, then your results are ultimately going to be skewed. And then... With these models, a lot of issues that people have is that they look at the absolute number, but then you have an autocorrelation issue that comes into play because most of this data starts at the same central point and then obviously as it goes out because it's time series data, it continues to be correlated. Really what you want to be looking at is you want to be looking at the change in that rank or whatever it may be because that's what's going to be able to let you know, you know the, you know how the quality of the ultimate score that you give. So, you know, really, um, you know, we're working on building out a model, 
um, for crypto, but you know, it's really it's really going to come down to the quality of the data, and we won't put out a model until you know we can get out you know quality um, quality data in terms of the different aspects that we believe ultimately drive crypto prices. Yeah, um, so that's actually a really good point. So obviously, um, that's that's the crux, right, of figuring out what the. So, in your opinion, what for crypto specifically, what are the best you know, kind of indicators based on what we currently have available to us, you know, just that you've seen because you've probably started working on something. Yeah. So for instance, like the economic, so for instance, one, I think this is probably, I think out of all the variables, because prices, you know, it's so volatile where it's like you could use that, but you discount it to some degree because there's manipulation, you know, in Bitcoin SVs, <laughs> in Bitcoin SVs price, they got delisted, right? So that would, you, you know, you have some fluctuation there. But I think the biggest one is the application of the ultimate market. So when you're looking at a crypto project, and I think this is important for the crypto community in general, and there's kind of that we versus them mentality, I think, you know, so it's, you know, I think it's ultimately comes down to how, how big of an application does it have in terms of integrating actually into the everyday lives of users. So like people didn't start using the internet because they thought that um, the protocol was cool, right? They used it because it made their life easier. It made, uh, it made you know, for instance, it made finding books easier at first. Now it's finding everything else that you want to find. So when you're looking at crypto projects that I think will ultimately be successful, it's looking at how what's the ease of adoption. Right, and that's one thing that we really took into consideration with Arvodex, which is why we're not a tokenized platform per se. Um, and I think that's what ultimately will make Arvodex scale quicker and easier and easier to adopt is that people have the traditional brokerage experience. You're trading traditional equities. You're not trading a tokenized equity, right? So, for mm-hmm. instance, we can onboard traditional equity assets. So from Fidelity, from TD Ameritrade, from Tradier, from, you know, unit from Robinhood, we can onboard those assets. But a tokenized platform couldn't do that because they're not trading traditional assets. They're creating an equity market on their own blockchain or their own platform, right? So someone who wants to create an account with that platform has to start from zero or they have to sell traditional assets and then, you know, use that money to fund their you know their adoption of this new platform where in our case you don't have to do that you can transfer assets traditionally and then we essentially have a credit system because we're we're uh, arvodex is a fork of stellar blockchain um so i'm not sure how familiar you are with it but there's an anchor system that goes it's essentially works in an anchor way where everything that is in the traditional person's brokerage account is also reflected in a digital wallet and that's what they use to transact on our blockchain. So say, for instance, you know, you've got Jim who's got $25,000 in cash and he's got 200 shares of Apple. Well, that is actually 200 shares of Apple, not a tokenized, you know, representation of what Apple stock is. So someone who, say, for instance, was at Fidelity could easily transfer to our platform um, because we would we're within the ACAT system. The ACAT system is a system that allows brokers to transfer assets with it, you know, allows users to transfer assets between brokers when they're trading accounts. So when I, you know, going back to your original question and ease of adoption, ease of adoption with our platform, if you want to trade equities is going to be easy because if you have a traditional broker account, you can easily transfer an account, your account over to us. You know what I mean? You just have 
what's essentially in your account reflected digitally in credits and then you use that to transact so say for instance in the case of Jim Jim wants to buy 5,000 stocks of Amazon Jim will buy 5,000 stocks of Amazon the settlement will happen on chain and everything that I just met uh, settlement um, and order matching will happen on chain and then as soon as that transaction settles we have a real-time accounting system that's integrated with the network that also changes the value in Jim's actual brokerage account you see what I'm saying hmm. so yeah. in terms of use case um, I think that's really what um, is what you have to look at for a lot of blockchain projects now how you quantify that is a whole other thing right how do you quantify that and put it in a model and that's kind of the process that we're in now because ultimately we believe that's the biggest driver of what's going to be you know that's ultimately the biggest driver of what's going to what makes a successful crypto project and then obviously supply of the coin and flow you know and things of that nature you know what i mean so obviously uh you know obviously it's not one size um it's not one size fits all but a project that has one billion coin would be more attractive to an investor than a project that had a hundred billion in coin right um so it's some of those words, but I think the biggest one is obviously ease of adoption um, and ultimately making it easier for your everyday person who may not be a cryptocurrency or a blockchain enthusiast or specialist. You know what I mean? How do you make this easy for them to use? Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, it's aligning it with what they're traditionally used to is, I think, what's um, what separates you know successful crypto projects and ultimately what success separates Arvodex from other um, tokenized platforms. Yeah, that's interesting. I think the really cool thing is that you can integrate with you mm -hmm. know, traditional uh, brokerage accounts and uh, that's super easy to use, it sounds like. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, so now you are, you will have a, a native token on the platform, correct? Absolutely. So sure. for our, so for our um, for ICO, we're using ERC twenty just because of the you know the compatibility with other tokens, the healthy um, the healthy community around it, and you know just the platform in general. But ultimately, there will be a native Arvo coin that is interchangeable one for one with that ERC twenty once the platform goes live, and then that token will be the fundamental token for the platform on a go forward basis. And that'll be that'll be on the Stellar network. Yes, correct. No, it'll no. It, Arvo Dex is going to be a private blockchain. It's going to be a fork of Stellar. Go, sorry, yes. Yep. The e, the token sale is going to happen on Ethereum with ERC correct. ERC twenty, and then correct. it will get one for one swapped on the back end after that. Correct. Absolutely. Got it. So that's pretty interesting. So, um, what now? Talk about what the benefits of that token, what the use will be on the platform. Yeah, there's a lot of different use cases. Um, you know, for instance, there's an, and this is kind of a unique thing about the platform as well, is that people will get rewarded for trading on our platform. So, you know, you'll get a percentage value of whatever um, your ultimate, you know, so say for instance, you know, I'm just speaking hypothetically right now, but say you have a $10,000 trade, you could get, t you'd get $10 in Arvo coin for trading. Um, so you get it's so there's a reward component to it um, you can use it for margin you can use it for collateral you can use it for um, paying your subscription for the Arvo platform um, from a b2b perspective um, businesses can also use it for those same use cases um, you can use it for staking um, and then you can use it 
um, you can use it as a means of, you know, um, transacting within the ecosystem. So that's really, those are some of the more general use cases. And then obviously, you know, as we build out the platform, we'll find more applications for it on a go forward basis. That's very cool. So talk about when your ICO begins, um, what the token sale is going to look like, all that. So our ICO, our private sale begins May 1st and it goes from May 1st until June 15th. And then we have a pre-sale that goes from June 15th until the end of the month. And then we have our the first round of our public sale goes from July 1st until the end of July. And then the second round of our public sale goes from uh, the beginning of August until the end of August. And then for our pre-sale, the discount is 25% on the tokens. Uh, for our, I mean, excuse me, for our private sale, the discount is 25% on the tokens. For our public, or for our pre-sale, it's 15 to 20% discount. For the first round of our public sale, um, it's five to 10% discount. And then for the final round, it's zero to 5%. Um, so there's 500 million Arvo coins in total. Uh, but for the pre-sale, I mean, for the entire ICO component of it, we're offering 200 million uh, of the coins or 40%. And then 25% is being allocated to uh, ecosystem rewards. Um, and then for business development, because part of what's going to make the network grow is partnerships with other brokers. So 90% of brokers are categorized as small brokers. Um, and that number is actually, and so that there's about 308, uh, 3,800 brokers that are categorized as small brokers. So that's really um, going to be our target market in terms of uh, building out liquidity within the network um, because every broker you onboard adds liquidity to the network and then you know you can trade on a peer-to-peer -peer basis. So 15% of our tokens are reserved for business development or quote-unquote partnerships. Um, another 15% goes to employees and then um, the rest is for our ongoing referral program, our token advisors, and then our bounty program. Um, so that's really kind of how the distribution of the tokens will work. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, only 40% will be um, for sale in the initial process. Sure. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, what's coming down for the roadmap for the rest of this year and the beginning of next year. Absolutely. Um, so we have, uh, so outside of the super technical posts, we're going to register to become a broker Um Starting in August, we have uh, we're filing our second utility patent, you know, in November. Arvo, our desktop version, will be coming out in the first quarter of 2020. So right now we're only available on iOS and Android, um, but we've got we've we've listened to the feedback of our users, and there's really a need for a desktop version. And actually, personally, I'd like a desktop version uh, because sometimes you just don't want to. You need more <laughs> of a bigger screen, um, and then that'll also enable us to offer some different information that's displayed better on a desktop than it is on um, than it is on a than it is on a phone and then uh, part of the neat part of the network is that we also have a network accelerator so our network accelerator will launch in 2020 as well and then the iOS and Android version 3.0 will launch in uh, the third quarter of 2020 and the third and the 3.0 version is where I mentioned is where we're going to try to start adding in you know um, the options the options model is fairly robust already um, we're just doing some more testing on it before we ultimately launch it so that'll be out um, in the 3.0 version and then we'll launch a beta version of our crypto model as well 
um, in the third quarter of 2020. Um, once we work out some of the kinks in terms of the quality of the data and uh, things of that nature. And then the goal is to have the Arvodex uh, testnet or beta launch um, also in the third quarter of 2020, 2020 with the ultimate platform being launched um, depending on how the testing goes in the first or second quarter of 2021. Very cool. So um, I just had one question. Back to the network incubator launch. Can you just talk about what that is a little bit? Yeah, so the the real, the real inspiration be- behind the network incubator is that, um, so Arvo is a consortium blockchain slash private blockchain. It's not public in the sense that um, users require some degree of anonymity when they're trading equities. Like you don't want everybody, like for instance, like with Ethereum, you can essentially track people's transactions um, down to a T if you know um, what their, um, you know, what their uh, public key is. So there's some anonymity that's needed with the Arvo blockchain or with the Arvodex platform. So the network incubator is really about investing in companies that can uh, push the network forward. So, for instance, one thing um, that we're really or one of the inspirations about building Arvodex is giving uh, access to U.S. equity markets to foreign investors. Right. So in this case, you know, either through partnership or through an investment in the incubator, say, for instance, there is a blockchain project that was in the FX space. We could bring them on and now users on our platform. So that and that. So say that FX and again, I'm speaking hypothetically, but say that FX provider um, is now integrated on our blockchain as an anchor. So they're the FX anchor of our blockchain. Someone who is, say, for instance, lives in Japan and has yen can convert their yen to dollars, trade U.S. equities, and then when they want to sell, they can sell in U.S. and then convert it right back to Japanese yen. So that's really kind of the thought is that we're going to be adding on different financial services company because really ultimately what we're trying to build is we're trying to build a decentralized financial system. So we want to so we'll be looking at, you know, FX companies, insurance companies, companies that can add value to the blockchain um, and then, you know, help facilitate ultimately, you know, the smooth, you know, different capability or different aspects of people's financial lives. So, for instance, FX is one insurance is one real estate is one. So any type of platform that we believe or and our, again, our focus is on financial firms, um, any type of uh, pl- uh, blockchain project that we think can help move the ecosystem forward in that respect is what we'll, um, we'll be investing it into. And then from an incubator standpoint, that allows us to really work with them intimately and, um, you know, not only in respects of development, but in terms of marketing the project, in terms of thinking through the tokenomics of the project and all those other variables that ultimately lead to a successful project down the road. Because I think, um, you know, the, pro- the problem that some projects has run into is that they kind of try to run before they can walk um, and they don't have a true understanding of what it's going to take to be able to build something successful um, in the space. So by building an incubator, and again, it goes back to the whole community thing um, that we try to you know, build out in the Arvo platform, that same type of community aspect is what we want to build out in our incubator. Because by having a community where you can collaborate with people who've done successful projects, you can have that type of mentorship, you can have that type of development um, capacity there for you, 
then you're less likely to make errors that could ultimately lead to you know not your downfall. I don't want to be too dramatic, um, but <laughs> but your that could ultimately doom <laughs> like, wrecked. You know, what right. I mean? yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But ultimately, you end up with in a situation where at least people are thinking about these things ahead of time. So then, if at least if they're top of mind, then you're less likely to make those mistakes before it's too late. And another aspect of the incubator is looking at things. And this, again, this is something that some projects don't take into consideration is looking at the legal aspects of things. You know, are you a utility token? Are you a security token? Even if you're not a utility token, you're better off in some cases filing the Reg D with the SEC because at least you're covered in that respect. So, you know, we're really going to be focusing on uh, the holistic aspect when we bring these companies on. Um, so we're going to be looking at the legal perspective, the tax perspective, you know what I mean? Because again, another issue some projects run into is, okay, well, do you actually want to create your coin before you ICO or do you want to create it after? You know what I mean? So all of those questions are important questions, but if you don't have the guidance, and again, guidance is expensive in some cases, right? Sure. Um, and so some people try to cut corners in that respect. But when you cut corners, ultimately, when the SEC comes knocking or whatever regulatory body comes knocking, you're going to have to answer. So what with the network incubator, it's really an environment where those questions can be asked ahead of time so that projects ultimately launch successfully. That's awesome. Um, so I think we've covered pretty extensively. Is there anything that you think we missed that you want to make sure we touch on? No, I'm just ready to get after your boy. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right, here we go. But before we get there, I will say I downloaded the app, uh, the iPhone app, and the user interface is pretty awesome too. So very easy to use. So it's uh, it's definitely exciting. So. And it's actually got a Tinder inspiration to it. I'm not a Tinder guy per se myself. It's funny. It's all swipe. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So if you like the company, you swipe right. And this is a nice thing about it too is that, and actually maybe there was one more thing I wanted to mention. <laughs> <laughs> so when you swipe right, it goes into, uh, well, initially when a user comes in, we give them about 80 stocks to swipe through so we can get an idea of what kind of stocks they what like. They're into, yeah. Exactly. Whether they like momentum names that are energy, whether they like value names that are utilities, whether they like growth names that are financials or whatever it may be. So once we build that profile, our algorithm works every time you swipe, right? So we'll start showing you stocks that are more likely. Are, that you're more likely to like just like if you swipe right on a you know what I mean a girl or a guy or whatever um, you know what I mean tinder builds out a profile of people that you potentially like so in that respect we do that but the neat thing about Arvo is that we actually group the stocks for the user so user may not know the different sectors of the economy so when sure. you swipe right on Goldman Sachs it goes into your financial bucket when you swipe right on you know Netflix it goes into your consumer discretionary bucket when you swipe right on Amazon it goes into consumer discretionary bucket. So you build out your watch list in a way where it's actually segmented by the different sectors. And then you can see how different stocks rank within those sectors. Yeah, this is really cool. I uh, I can tell you right now that I'm going to tell my brother about this because he would be all over this. So <laughs> shout out uh, BTC Be Real. He's, uh, he'll, he'll be all over <laughs> that's it. That's your so. brother? Yeah, that's my brother. Oh, that's dude. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's my brother My in real life. All right. So before we get to the fun here, just tell us where people can find Arvo, uh, either website, token sale, community, all of the above. Absolutely. So you can find us, if you want to download the app on iOS or Android, you can just go to Arvo.com. And Arvo is spelled A-H-R-V-O. 
Um, and then all the token information and everything related to the ICO can be found at arvo.io. Um, if you want to find us on Telegram, we have a booming Telegram community. Um, you can find us just at Arvo. Um, and then same thing on uh, Twitter, you can find us at Arvo app. And then on Facebook, you can find us at Arvo investing app. And those are our main channels that we use. But I highly recommend that you get in the Telegram community. We actually have an airdrop going on right now. So if you want some free RVO coin, you got some easy tasks that you can do and you can already get on board with the program. Sweet. That's cool. I'm going to jump into the Telegram right now. And awesome. So let's get to the fun. We wouldn't be Rock <coughs> Podcast if we didn't have a good time. So we have Chamber, who is our uh, Canadian who doesn't like hockey, but is a very big LA Lakers fan. And uh, we did a little research on Apo here and found out that he is also a Lakers fan. So we are going to get smart on Lakers trivia here. So uh, this is called the ultimate Lakers quiz. So let's see uh, how that fares for us here. Chamber, what do you what do you think here? You think you're gonna get all these right? I mean, I feel like I should get most of them right. All right. Well, let's I feel, see. I feel pretty. I feel pretty good. But I don't know. The confidence from Oppo is really. I think it's getting to me. It's getting, it's getting in my head. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This. Uh, so, I, how do you want to do this? You want me to? Because there are multiple choice here. Right. So, so I would say, um, ask the question, and then uh, here's here's what I'm go do. guest first yeah. for the first question. Then I answer, and then we'll alternate. Alt- exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. Stand, you yeah. you keep the, you keep the score over there. Okay, I'll, I'll keep I'm score. I'm not sure I trust you to do that. No. All right. I'm not trust How many NBA championships have the Lakers won? And I'll give you the multiple choice here, Oppo. Is it 16, 14, 20, or 17? 16. Also 16. Both of you say 16. 16 is the correct answer. I would have guessed 17, and I would have been wrong. That's the Boston Celtics. (laughs) That's what I I realize that now. Um, Okay. Now, Chamber, you get the first guess here. Yeah. What city did the Lakers first start in? Is it Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Sacramento, San Diego? Uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. That is correct. Wow, we're two for two here. We're gonna. We might be I got the vintage blue Minneapolis Lakers. What? Nice. Uh, Number yeah, eight. That's sick. No, the got the Kareem. Ooh. I wanted to get the Lonzo Ball one. You're really getting in my head right now. <laughs> uh, you're gonna beat him, and he's gonna feel so bad. No. <laughs> okay, here we go. Who? Uh oh, what happened here? Hold on, I lost my spot. Uh, sorry. Okay, question number three here. Who was the tallest player in Lakers history? Is it Chuck Nevitt, Shaquille O'Neal, Wit- Wilt Chamberlain, or Kareem? And who's going for Appa's going first. Yeah. Mm, I'm going to go with Wilt. Uh, I'll go with Kareem. Okay. The answer is neither. Ooh, Chuck, Chuck Nevitt. I, that was. Answer. I'm like. I didn't know how tall Chuck Nevitt was. I knew Kareem okay. was seven three, and I'm like, that's as tall as a, a yeah. human should be able to get. Chuck well, Nevitt. your taco fall. And how tall was Chuck three. Nevitt? Yeah, he must be seven uh, four. It didn't tell us. Uh, it didn't tell me when I clicked it. So that's tall. We'll look yeah. It up. yeah. <laughs> All right, so we are tied still going into question four, correct? Correct, yeah. Yep. 
Okay, Chamber, you're up first on this answer. How many conference titles do the Lakers have? Is it 43, 30, 31, or 32? Fudge. <laughs> Can you one more time, sorry? 43, 30, 31, or 32? 30. Apo? Can you say those numbers again? 43, 30, 31, or 32? 43 sounds way too high. Yeah, that's um, a lot, right? Well, I think that's why they gave you like 30, and he 31, said, 32. He said, he said 30, right? I did say yeah. 30, yeah. I'll go with 31. Ooh, okay. your price is right, me. So, <laughs> Chamber, oh, the answer is 31. Oh, let's get it. <laughs> oh. Okay, so we have a three, uh, three to two score. Three to two for Oppo, yeah. Three to two. Okay, um, I got to decide how far we're going. You guys are doing good here. So we're on question five. We'll go to ten. Um, all right, who? Well, this is objective. <laughs> I don't know if I'm counting this question. Uh, who is the most hated Laker? <laughs> That's not a great out of question. out of the which. Uh, give me the four. I'll tell you who the most hated is. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can figure this one out too. It's uh, it, the answers are Luke Walton, Dwight Howard, Vladi Divac, and AC Green. Dwight Howard. I, was gonna... <laughs> I, I mean, I would probably Dwight go with Dwight too. Yeah, hundred percent. It's Dwight. I'm not Kwame Brown. This. I'm not. Qu- I'm I love not Kwame. counting this question though. Kwame uh, gave this us question. Go- does not count. It is objective. That's a real uh, Laker question though. <laughs> Uh, but it, it is Dwight Howard, so you can give yourself both a point. Um, yeah, Dwight okay. was pretty hated in his time there. Oh, yeah, he was definitely. Uh, how, question number six: How many rings does Kobe have? So oh, it is easy. up to. It don't, is don't, up don't, to it's Apo. five. It's five. We both it's know this. Five. One, yeah, right? we both know. Okay, this one. we're good. That's guaranteed. Okay, <laughs> five is correct. What NBA player was drafted first overall by the Lakers in the 1958 NBA draft? Is it Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, or Gail Goodrich? Uh, I believe it's Chambers' question here. 58? Yeah. Number one overall? Yep. Gail Goodrich. Gail Goodrich, do you have a different answer, Apple? Can you say those those, those names again? Elgin Baylor, Wilt yeah. Chamberlain, Jerry West, or I know Wilt Gail wasn't Goodrich. drafted by the Lakers. Right, he was Philly. Uh, Jerry West, 58, seems too old for him. You said, I'll go with Elgin. Yeah, that's, that's, that's okay, what I'm thinking, so this is the other one. You said Gail? Uh, I'll go Gail Goodrich, though, yeah. It is Elgin Baylor. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I knew it wasn't Wilt for sure. Wilt got traded there. Wait, yeah. so you're down two? Down Chamber? two. You know what? I, I'm okay. He's 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 winning this properly. Wow, this was good. Um, okay, I, this one's easy, but we'll we'll ask it. What Lakers player is on the NBA logo? I mean, you guys shouldn't need yeah, multiple I know this one. for this. Go ahead, Apple. I'm actually not even sure. Oh, okay. I'll give I'll give you the I'll give you the uh, uh, what are the options? Multiple choice here. So the options are Elgin Baylor, Magic Johnson, mm. Kobe Bryant, or Jerry West. And it is Apo's turn. I know it's not Kobe. I know it's Should not be. Magic. <laughs> right? Amen to that. <laughs> um, it was you said uh, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. Yep. I'll go with Elgin way. again. I don't think huh, that doesn't sound right, but Chamber, Jerry West. Jerry, yes, <sighs> that is the correct answer. Yeah. Chamber picks up a point Woo! going should, into the. I should, uh, I should uh, slap myself for that. <laughs> yeah, you need to take a lap for that one. <laughs> All right, 
How many, oh, this is interesting. How many retired numbers do the Lakers have? Numbers it, or jerseys? It says numbers. Right. So I, 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 that's a good reason you asked that, I'm sure. Because uh, Chick, Chick's retired too. Right. But, but so it's only a microphone. It how many retired numbers do the Lakers have? 12, 10, 6, or 9? And uh, it is Chambers' turn for first guess. So I wonder how up-to-date this is, because we just retired two of Kobe's. Well, that's why I figured you were asking jerseys or numbers. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go. See, I thought it was 14 now. Uh, Okay, so just for, this was created in 2016, so. I think it's, so it's 12. (laughs) I'm going to say 12. Apo, any different? What were, uh, what, was the, what were the answers again? I'm sorry. 12, 10, 6, or 9? I think it's 12, too. Okay, the answer is 9. Nine. Are you nine. sure? That's uh, what it's that telling me. Right. I In agree. 2016, I guess. So well, this, yeah, we'll have to go back and take a look at the tapes. All right, so. <laughs> no, no harm, no foul on that one. Exactly. Chamber is down one yep. with one to go. Ooh. So the right, best you go. can do is tie. Here and we go. And Apple goes first on this one, yeah? Yeah. So last question. When did the Lakers win their first NBA championship? Ooh. Is it 1949, 1957, 1938, or when did the Lakers win their first NBA championship? Oh, NBA? Okay. Yeah. Not in 49, 57, 38, or 50? I'm going to go 49. Chamber? I'm going to go 50. It is 49. <laughs> Let's go. Because I know they're in the NBL until 48. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know what? You just got skunked. I mean, I wouldn't say funny. Skunk. It's funny. Everyone, everyone makes fun of Minnesota because we don't win any sports. Um, well, we don't win championships. So knowing w- what year the Lakers won a championship was kind of was kind of an easy. You one know what? I am I am very proud. Time. I'm very proud to lose to the, uh, <laughs> a, a, an adversary with your skill. I thought that wow. was. I I've met my match. Uh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna wipe the floor when you when you were talking before the show. You were. Ultimately I mean, I confident. think I think my confidence was justified. Sure, uh, you did. You did well. I feel like yeah, it wasn't. I got blown. You, get, you got yeah. seven out of ten, right? And yeah. if on some of those, if I would have answered first, like for instance, if on that one where you said. 30. I was going to say 30 at first, too. Right. Um, but then you said 30, and you said it wrong. I'm like, all right, well, I'll throw on 31. There you go. <laughs> so, no, I think... I so, think, it's okay. Hey, it's a toss I think that was way. just two juggernauts going at it, and exactly. one person had to win. Exactly. <laughs> that and was awesome. We're, but we're all winners today. We are after this. <laughs> and if you're Lakers, <laughs> and the Lakers will be back. They, they will be back. Absolutely will be back. They will and be back. That's awesome, man. So... Apo, thank you so much for joining us. We had an awesome time. Uh, check out Arvo. It's a really cool project. Um, lots of, I, I think it's just a, a really easy way to, you know, accomplish the, I mean, do 
a lot of the work for you and, and make it foolproof, right? So uh, check out check out Arvo. Again, uh, one more time, where they can find you at, Oppo? You can find the app on iOS and Android at arvo.com, and that's spelled A-H-R-V-O. Any information related to the ICO, you can find at ahrvo.io. Follow us on Telegram at Arvo, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Arvo app. And then you can also follow us on Facebook or like our page on Facebook at Arvo Investing App. And thanks, guys, for having me on. This was a blast. Um, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, Especially I'm having glad. another Lakers guy on the Oh, I, t- I made my day. I made my day. <laughs> yeah, man. Awesome. So that's it. Anything you want to add, Chamber? No, man. Go Lakers. 20, go Lakers. Let's go. <laughs> 2020s right, are here, baby. Right. Let's go. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Right before we go here. So we are in the midst of the NBA ch- uh, playoffs. Who who do you have winning now? Doesn't Zach? matter. Yeah, doesn't it matter. Doesn't You're not even it watching. It is that what's matter. happening? No, You're not I, even watching. No, hundred percent not watching. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah I'm not going to watch until the finals. I and the thing is, like, who has time to watch like an hour thirty minute game nowadays? Usually, yeah, I just watch lot. like the I watch like the ten minute overview of it's a good game or whatever um, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Catch there you all go. the good points. <laughs> cool, man. Well, that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, don't get wrecked. And that is financial advice.